Welcome to Three Kobolds in a Trench Coat, where we look beyond the table and discuss D&D from a DM and player's perspective. We're your hosts, Meepoo, Raku, and Snickle. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about becoming the bad guy, bad guys in general, and just everything to do with bad guys, essentially. So uh, I'm going to kick it off with Snickle. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been a bad character player? I tend to gravitate more towards the more hero, good character. Um, like, my track record certainly represents that. Um, but I I do really enjoy every once in a while playing someone that's maybe not necessarily a bad character, but a little more morally grey. Mm. So they might be doing a bad thing, but it's for self-preservation or it's for the sake of a loved one or something along that line. And, you know, it's really fun to shake things up a little bit and play someone like that. Yeah. Um, Meepo, I know you've played a few uh, morally ambiguous characters over the time, but have you ever played a bad, like a bit of an evil character? Um, I've never played an evil character other than um i think there was one game that we i think i played one game in it and i ended up playing a black dragonborn uh death cleric and he was pretty uh, worshipped tiamat so Mm. uh yeah he was he was he was interesting i only ever played like Four hours of him, so I didn't really get much to do with it. But that was that was interesting. It was it was uh, murder hobo central. Yeah, I um well at this in this campaign that we're playing now, uh, my character started off as evil in a sense, um, like his motives and everything like that were evil, and that he had such a he had a really bad reputation. So um, having that character development, he's now turned good. Um, But he'll always have that evil past, starting out a new character in a campaign, sort of evil guy. But have either of you two ever had a character that was good and sort of ended up becoming not really the best person they could be? I don't think I ever have. I think that when I've picked a, you know, I've envisioned envisioned my character as good or neutral or evil, I've kind of stuck with that. Um, I think partly because I haven't been presented with an opportunity in terms of the context of the campaign or something like that, that I felt my character would have a real shift in their motive. Um, So I personally haven't come across that yet, um, but I definitely would consider it if it felt right for that character. Mm. Um, Yeah, I kind of agree there. I think there's a potential for one of my characters to... Uh, potentially end up that way uh, if certain things fall in line Um, but is it Ainsley? no sure? yeah really? yeah it's not Ainsley man see every gunslinger I know is always like not the most moral person yeah no it's not Ainsley no okay she even though she's chaotic neutral she at the end of the day she knows she still has to do the right thing yeah, and um, I think in terms of this campaign that we're talking about here, we have a full party of neutral <laughs> characters. Oh, sorry, we do have one yeah, good mine, character. Mine's good. Yours is a good character. Lee's good. Uh, everyone else is some form of neutral mm. and definitely fall in that grey area. I don't think anyone there is necessarily evil or a, a bad guy. 
Mm. Um, but definitely do some questionable things. And we've seen that even though this particular campaign's only been going for a few sessions now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, Maranac. Really? Yeah. He, um, so just before that campaign sort of went on pause, he multiclassed into Bloodhunter mm-hmm. um, and is looking, seeing that second family in that other town, he's kind of revengey mind focus at the moment. So I think bringing it back to what we were saying is that you kind of need that drive in the story to push your character to be evil mm-hmm. if they're starting out good, like in this case where they need to see another family fall to the same misfortune that they have experienced and how they interpret seeing that not as a well that you know sort of solidifies my resolve to Mm. fix this problem it's now i am going to do whatever it takes to eliminate these evil people but in doing so they're kind of tainting their own goodness Mm. Mm. They've been straying too far from the path. To be fair, Maranac isn't entirely good, but he's not bad because he's a he's a death cleric of the Raven Queen. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that aspect of things. Even though he's, uh, I think he's lawful, lawful neutral. Mm. Um, so he has a specific code and he upholds, you know, the Raven Queen's ideals. Um, but at the end of the day. I think subconsciously he kind of blames the Raven Queen for what happened to his family. And mm. then seeing that second family and then, like... So I originally was going to multiclass him into Barbarian, cause, but then I was like, mm, doesn't really work. So then I went to the Blood Hunter. So it's kind of using that rage, but for a different purpose. Yeah. Mm. Out of all our characters, not only the characters that you've played, but the characters that you've DM'd, who do you think has the potential to be a really bad guy by the end of the campaign if something triggers it. So in terms of a specific character that we have in mind? Yeah, just anyone, anything you can think of that can, like, one day snap. I think... Merida. uh, Merida. Really? (laughs) Our death cleric in another campaign. Mm -hmm. I think she really has the potential to, but she's not one of our characters, so it's kind of hard to make that call. Mm. Um, I definitely, maybe not now, now that things have gone the way they have in this game, but my character Silver really had the potential to go down a very dark path Mm. because he held that obsession with, you know, powerful magic that got him into that precarious situation in the first place. Mm. And I think that he, over time, if people hadn't picked up on that, he was, you know, it was a cry for help he would have, you know, started to enjoy this power that was being given to him, even though he was having to do really evil things to, you know, maintain his soul. It would have gotten to a point where he went, oh, maybe I don't want to get rid of this curse. Maybe I want this, you know, Mm. I've got all this power now. But I think because we've had a couple of characters step in and realize that he was going uh, because he couldn't talk about his curse, they've realized this person needs help. And they've given him that help that he's probably not going to stray away from that. But he certainly had a lot of potential to. Yeah. Um, my character at the moment, Cassius, there is potential. Like, he's obviously now changed his alignment from actually, you know, lawful evil back up to lawful good um, because of the ceremony we 
did. Um, but there are things that may cause Cassius to snap. And I do know that if it ever comes across these situations, I do know that Cassius would forever become dark again because of this, because of an incident. Mm. So I'm hoping it doesn't come up <laughs> just like, you don't. you kind of hope that you don't want your player, your character to die. But, Is it um, related to Persephone? Yes. <laughs> yes. So Cassius, my character, has married an archfey, um, which is she is now pregnant with Cassius and Persephone's child. Um, but I do think if Persephone was ever killed or, um, you know, just something terrible happened, I reckon Cassius would snap and... He'd fall back into what he was before. Yeah, probably worse, worse. even, because um, he wasn't exactly the best character at the beginning, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I reckon he would here's, here's, turn to the dark side. Here's a question as your DM, which could actually relates to this, like, so if that character turns back towards that path, your character in that campaign mm-hmm. is actually packed-bound to his. She is. What would happen there? I think that would be a question that could only be answered in roleplay. <laughs> but pack bound. That I have made a deal with your wife. Oh start right. Going back very far, where I am, I'm sworn to protect your character. So that could certainly become interesting, considering the very complicated dynamic. I mean, very good dynamic, but very intertwined dynamic. Yeah. All of our characters have at this point in time. So. Yeah, throwing another evil character into the... You know, a character returning to evil or becoming evil at this point in time could be really interesting. But mm. it's something that, if it happened... I mean, I I personally... Um, you know, Snickle would not be upset. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Nephili might be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it's... Um, that would be interesting. But just, you know, a bit of a positive side of it. At least you won't owe an Archfey a favour. I might still. <laughs> She's yeah. crafty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yes. Archfey, always like that. I think she's my favourite NPC. <sighs> um, so have you, have either of you, because I haven't and I would really like to, have either of you played in a all bad character campaign where you, you are the murder hobos? I have not, but I would absolutely love to do something like that. And I mean, I, I think I kind of struggle. Um, I mean, I think this is a reflection on how I like to conduct myself in the real world. Mm. I struggle a little bit to play the rude character, uh, especially if I'm surrounded by characters that are opposing that. And case in point is Silva. Mm. <laughs> I, um, felt terrible saying some of the things I was saying. I was going to say, I thought you did it flawlessly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did all right, but there's a part of me that goes, oh, I really shouldn't be saying that. Or I get really nervous. Whereas mm. if I'm being a good character, those ne- nerves never come into play. But if I was surrounded by other characters who were exactly the same, I would love to do that. That would be so much fun to role play. Mm. And yeah, unfortunately I've never had the, the opportunity to do so, but um, yeah, I mean, I love to, I love the drama that's associated with playing a villain when, you know, if I've had to DM a villain and come up with all their motives and their, you know, big evil monologue at the end, it's, it's such a thrill to do that and yeah. to do that with your fellow players who, you know, you know, if you've got a good group that you play with all the time and you're only doing that with good characters, you know, that they have 
that passion for role play, mm. but totally changing the dynamic would be so much fun. Yeah, sometimes it would be good to um, switch it up from, you know, try and save the town or save the world and yeah. you know, blah, Going blah, like, blah. Oh, but, you know, they steal that. Yeah, to turning it into, mm. we are the ones destroying the town. I've definitely played in games where everyone is a little ambiguous, mm. not necessarily good, but also not the villains. Yeah. Where, you know, they've gone to a town with the explicit goal to just steal stuff, you know, mm. <laughs> but not gone there to, you know, slaughter a whole village or something like that. They've always had that good element to them. Yeah. Um, Meepo, I know in a couple of your campaigns that I've played in, um, I have had the bit of a sneaky moment where my characters pocketed a few items uh, in a shop, hopefully trying without the shopkeeper knowing. But um, what's your thoughts about this whole evil character campaign? I see. I prefer as a DM. Like I'm loving playing the Mind Flayer Lich at the moment. Mm. It is amazing. And I was talking to um, one of the players as I was driving him home today, and he was like, "Everyone's like, we should we should make this this deal, but they used did anyway." And then it's like, "Well, he friggin' talks in circles anyway, so we don't understand what he's saying." And I'm like, "See, for me." I hate in like cartoons or anything or or a movie like James Bond for example the villain always reveals his plan when he thinks that the the James Bond is trapped. Mm. It's like no, villains don't do that. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. Why would I? <laughs> they do that. It's 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 how they do it. It's like um And I'm loving seeing the frustration on everyone's faces. It's just like Ugh! Oh come on, every villain ever has like the biggest rage boner for telling them that <laughs> Exactly. It's like, oh, you know, you about you good guys up there, I will stop you and the evil guys, no you won't, imprison him. And yeah, like, he's I do agree with that, and... that they're not just gonna, you know, go, Oh, I'm gonna you know, give you a little tidbit of yeah. my plan <laughs> but you know, um when they've got the heroes backed into a corner Mm. they want that you know triumphant moment of I've got you now I'm going to get away with this yeah. mm-hmm. and that's how I've tended to play oh, my I'm... villains because I've, I've thrown some very powerful villains at my players and like one pops into mind where I've done that where I had uh, a big monologue and I did get cut off by a player who's like oh throw magic missile now and I sort of didn't get to finish it but yeah um I intended for the vampire to get away. You're in her way. Mm. That's why she tried to kill you. And then our paladin decided to dump a whole shit ton of smite. Whoop ass. Yeah, on a silver <laughs> weapon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on a holy avenger. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, damn it. But yes, I, I do like to have that moment where maybe it's not realistic for a villain to, you know, give all this information away. But I think that they only do that when they're convinced that mm. there's no way they will lose. Mm. And when I've had those moments, um, sometimes it's been a near, near total party wipe where you'll have maybe one or two survivors out of the party and that's just barely. Um, and because the villain was so convinced that they will not survive this. So I'm going to have that moment of you know, triumphance and I'm going to say, this is what you're not stopping me from doing. Mm. Yeah. My, um, Cassius at the moment with all his thralls is even though the (laughs) thrall making thralls with a vampire is kind of a bad thing. The way we got them was kind of a bad way anyway, but using them for a better purpose is... 
It was a roundabout yeah. good thing. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a long sense of uh, wrong way around, it is using a bad situation in a good outcome. Yeah, so to kind of give context to this, it was a situation where one other player was being forced to collect souls for an evil deity, mm. and he didn't want to. So he was choosing to only collect the souls of uh, criminals. Very Dexter-esque. Yeah, and... In doing that, he had some that were not killed but imprisoned and those uh, criminals were turned into thralls to be used as a form of protection for our safe haven. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely... So the true definition of when you get lemons, make lemonade. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so um, when that vampire did actually turn up, it was pretending to be one of my thralls. So um, every time I go back to the guild now, I'm definitely going to inspect my thralls <laughs> to see if I haven't got another infiltrator. Um, but it is definitely something to think about when you have an opportunity to do what's perceived as an evil thing, but use it for a good purpose. It's not necessarily an evil thing, but it's not like the moral way about it. No. And it can be a little bit more interesting than playing the goody two shoes character Yeah, to throw those kind of acts in there that your party and any other NPCs that you're around are going to question, mm. but you know that your character has the best of intentions in doing that. Even if maybe they don't agree with what they do, they're forced or, mm. you know, there's all different ways that you can flavor that. Well, instead of having uh, a wizard or something cast a uh, protection on a building or a doorway or something like that to protect your guild or something like that. Sometimes it's better to have the necromancer have soldiers mm. patrolling the area so that way you don't have to have that spell run out or you have someone standing outside waiting for that spell to end mm -hmm. to then go slaughter your guild. Yeah. So it's kind of what is the long game, not the short game. Mm -hmm. Speaking of... Um... So the bad guy, using the knowledge that they've gathered from observing the party against the player. For example, um, your character brought a deal to the Mind Flayer Lich mm. and then he counter-offered you with something that your character like would absolutely jump at. In that moment, I think that was a true test of how your alignment and how your thoughts have changed in character development. So from your standpoint, being that character who was evil, having that offered to you, what was the thought process? Um, so unfortunately he, Cassius was really thinking about the situation of, um, this could work really well for all involved. So, um, my feeling of how alignments work is kind of fluid. So the more your character develops, the more their alignment will change depending on how they're going about their situations. Like, uh, the previous situations with, um, sh the shackles, um, charming people, he's doing the right thing and he wants to do the good things, but he's not exactly going about it the right way. So he's not yep. really following the lawful way. He's more neutral towards chaotic. Yes. Um, but when this deal came up from the Archlich, Cassius kind of thought to himself, well, he can get everything he wants. He can solve every little problem. 
But when he did that previously, which is the shackles, it blew up in his face. So he thought he was doing the right thing with the situation, but the outcome was good and it was exactly what the outcome was intended to do, was to lock away um, Persephone, but the other the, the whole outcome as a result was yeah, not ideal. It wasn't good at all because she ended up in the underworld. Um, so, yeah, it was... I think there needs to be a little bit more talking between deity and uh, worshipper about where this deal could end up or how it could go wrong. Mm -hmm. So for the both of you, do you have, when you plan your campaigns, do you have a BBEG in mind or do you just try and go along the story and then from previous experiences, your BBEG is that person that they've previously encountered? I tend to do somewhere in the middle with those. So often when I have planned a homebrew campaign, I will have a BBEG in mind who's stewing away in the background because at that point in time, your adventuring party is, you know, grain of sand compared to what they're having to plan and come up with. They're not a threat at mm. that present point in time. And there'll be various smaller threats along the way that like for the players they'll come across you know the breadcrumbs breadcrumbs you know mm. they'll come across the you know someone who's maybe harassing a local village and on a small scale is not that much of a villain but at the time seems like a really big deal for your characters to take care of and slowly building up in you know difficulty and severity and you know there's more at stake when they you know they become a more well-known party and they gain more ability and more strength and at that point in time your bbg will start to catch wind of what they've been up to mm. and that's when you know more breadcrumbs but to do with the bbg will sort of be slotted in there and maybe if um you know i've seen one that seemed fit maybe a previous villain that had gotten away or you know they thought they had killed but there was some other they might have been a lich something like that mm. will come back and maybe team up with the BBEG. Um, so it really depends on what the players do, but my general plan is to have one big villain that is doing their own thing and that will happen regardless of what the players do. And it might be shaped a little bit by where they travel and such, but that whole plan is happening in the background and they're going to slowly build up to that by taking out smaller villains along the way. Mm. Meepo, I know that you've been working on H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's Yellow King for mm. quite a while, mm -hmm. but we can circle back to him, but has have you ever had that situation in your campaigns? Um, that's pretty much how I do mine too. Like, I'll, you know, give you guys some little random crap to get you in your levels and, and, and stuff, but um, this campaign, um, everything is linked. Mm. Um since the beginning, everything's all been leading to Endgame. Um, regardless of whether or not people realise that or not, I think everyone's finally starting to realise that... Yeah, the dots are starting to connect at yeah, this point in the What story. you guys are doing at the moment is merely just a distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was put in your path to distract you from the overall underlying because obviously you've gained enough power and you've pissed him off enough to, for him to realise, okay, 
deal with this for a while whilst I reassess and change my battle plan. Mm. Yeah, which is similar to sort of how I like to attack yeah. my villains. Yeah. I was running a campaign and um, my players killed um, this guy who was tormenting a local town and I told him there was a you know, sigil on his coat um, as they were trying to loot his dead body, as every character does, as soon as they kill it, oh, loot the body! Um, good or evil. Yeah, good or evil, it's, yeah. Loot drop! Dead person, better check him for gold, but, um... Rummage through his pockets. Yeah, in, just in case there's something good in there. Um, but I mentioned a sigil as I'm, like, mentioning, oh, there's gold and there's this and there's, you know, you get this pearl ruby necklace and blah, blah, blah. Um, but they just ignored when I said there was a sigil on his coat mm. as I described everything else that was there because the sigil, even though he was the boss of his little gang that he ran, his sigil indicated a leader he followed and he was pretty mm. much the branch manager of his little bad guy troop. Mm. Um, branch manager. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one. Um, so because they didn't investigate and they didn't check on it, didn't do anything like that it sort of fell amongst the wayside for them. So they completely forgot about it. So when the BBEG came in, I reconnected their dots after they killed it and the campaign mm. ended. I said, did you guys realize that back at level seven, this happened back at level 14, this happened back at level 16, mm. this happened. And they're all like, no, 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 I didn't know that. Oh my God. Oh, it's all connected. And then they, you know, big conspiracy theory ensues, but yeah. But that can be a really good way to build your villains because sometimes they're not going to pick up on those little things. Mm. And that will mean that, okay, you've got a much harder fight ahead of you because yeah. because you haven't picked up on that this is coming. Mm-hmm. They're going to be just building their strength in the background and you're totally unaware of all you, You've got nothing to prepare for. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they caught those little hints and clues and maybe investigate, you know, they'd taken note of that sigil that you had explicitly mentioned and yeah. gone and investigated that... It might not have meant that, oh, well, you know, we saw the big bad guy at the end. Like, they're just taken care of now. Yeah. But it might have been a fight that they had more knowledge for, they were mm-hmm. more prepared for, like, they they knew what was coming rather than it being a huge shock at the end, which, which can be fun as well to have a real twist in your story and have a bad guy just pop up out of nowhere and instantly be this terrible threat that you never saw coming. Mm. Um, but to give your players that opportunity also gives you a little more flexibility in how you're going to plan it. Like their actions really shape that final fight. Yeah. So in a previous episode where we talked about, um, homebrew campaigns and things like that with everyone from Beholder to No One, it was pretty much talking to my, my explanation was that I run the campaign on consequences Mm -hmm. So the fact that they didn't pick up any of these consequences or things that could lead to a consequence, then it doesn't click for them to go and research this bad guy or try and find out, Hey, have you heard whispers? Is there a legend of this happening? Mm -hmm. And eventually finding, uh, weaknesses or, um, you know, a Lieutenant who backstabbed him, it could be a powerful ally and things like that. But no, they just went whole hog into the big bad guy. It still defeated him, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> there could have been a lot more role play and preparation time, and yeah. um, that really fleshes things. Doing things like that, researching characters, things 
really flesh out the role playing and your character development. Yeah, and I think it makes that final fight feel more meaningful rather mm. than here's just this big fight you have to do with no context and you know no understanding of what that outcome means. Yeah. Um, you're going into it with your characters having more ties to that fight and it, it means more to them. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm. Sorry, I was listening, but I had an idea for the campaign and I needed to write it down. That's okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like... Mm. So after defeating the big bad guy... Um, you know, whatever level, it could be just a mid-range game. So level 10, they defeat that level bad guy. And, you know, the next arc between 10 to 15 is another one. But in between arcs or, you know, storylines that you do, do you sort of hint at your next BBEG or do you just carry on with letting them have a bit of, you know, a few sessions at RP, explore... I, as I said, mine's been all linked since the beginning. So I always drop breadcrumbs all the time. Mm. Um, so there's all, it's always in the back of the... So obviously you guys are in a massive arc at the moment, but you guys are just getting bombarded with shit to come. You know, especially because you're so close to it now. Um, so it's just... But I can't... At the beginning, you were just getting little drips of it. But those drips... You guys didn't actually realise that they were endgame. You just thought that they were what's coming. Mm. Um, so, But now you guys have started to realise, well, hang on a second, this is just a divergence. This is actually what's really happening. So um, that's kind of what I do. I think it really depends on what your players are seeming to want to do. So if you've got a group that's really roleplay focused, they'll probably benefit from a couple of sessions of just roleplay and do exactly what you were saying there, Meepo, where you're throwing more breadcrumbs of what is coming next, but allowing that downtime to happen naturally. Mm. Whereas if it's a group that really doesn't care for roleplay, um, and I've, I've certainly DM'd for players like that, you kind of need to keep throwing things at them to keep them engaged. So I don't think there's really one answer to that question. It depends on the people that you're playing with. Mm. Um, but I personally like to have um, games run in the style that Meepo has been doing it, where there's always something coming next. Um, but after something has been defeated, you've got a little bit of time to get your bearings and figure out what your plan is next that's um, irregardless of a villain that's coming up. You know, what whatever your character's personal motives are, if it's tied to their backstory or it might just be they, you know, there might be a particular item they're seeking out. Um, they want to go visit a town in that world. It could be anything like that. So have them figure out their motives that they want to achieve in the background before something else comes along. That's how you guys need to deal with this. This is coming up. It's going to be a problem now. Mm. Yeah. I always make sure that between the arcs and things like that, everything can be linked. Um, but I allow, especially what you said about having characters or players that don't like RP um, in an RPG <laughs> is kind of annoying, but you get that. Um, sometimes it is easier to have that downtime and meta game for them and say, look, you've got at least four days when I will guarantee nothing is going to happen, no random encounters. No, do what you want. Yeah, no, nothing's going to attack or scream at you. I want you guys to role play. I will force a whole day 
of role play if I need to mm. to get you into that role and how this game works. And sometimes I think that can be beneficial as well. So say if you you might have an idea of what the next villain is going to be, but mm. you're a little stuck on how you want to introduce them. We know, all three of us know from experience that all sorts of shenanigans can happen in downtime. Mm. Just because it's downtime, it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Yep. Sometimes that can be the spark that sets off this next quest that you, your players have to take care of. Yeah. You know, that they might get into trouble or they'll do something that they think, oh shit, I probably shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be what drives this next story arc to begin. Yeah. Have either of you ever DM'd a campaign where you've done a, well, the dreaded TPK or have you ever considered the TPK? I have certainly gotten very close, um, but that was in like a two shot. It wasn't a long-term campaign Mm. and it was one that I wanted to throw a really hard villain at them at the end because if they died, whatever, so what, after that villain, that was going to end. Um, And there is a certain thrill to, (laughs) you know, killing them. I think someone got pretty much one hit with the first attack when they walked into the, into the den of this villain. Um, and a couple of them were certainly struggling along towards the end. Um, and I have also been a player in a game that had a TPK, but again, that was a one shot. Mm. So I don't know how I would feel about a TPK in a long running campaign, maybe early game, when no one's really got an attachment to their character, but the longer you go and when you start playing a game for months and months of real time, um, I mean, it's an upsetting prospect for anyone for the character to all of a sudden, okay, they're dead. Even if you've got, you know, a high level cleric or you've got someone that you can visit in game who can revive your character, that might not always work. Mm. Um, so I think, it's another one that it really depends on the group because some people might not care. They just are playing a character who, I don't know, they've, they've just picked stats that they like and they don't care about that character's personality or backstory or anything. It's just that you, I wanted to play this class, this race. Mm. That's all there is to it. Um, so it, it is using the word dreaded is very applicable to my perspective on it. Yeah. Um, but I think it can work depending on the right context. Yeah. Especially if it's like a final... Sorry. No, you're (laughs) Especially if it's a final fight. If you know that you're going into it and that's going to be the last thing that you're playing. Like, it's it's the BBEG that you're taking on and you know Mm. that they're a formidable fight. If everyone gets wiped in that scenario, I'm sort of okay with that. Mm. I know that even if maybe there's some, you know end game role play that you do after that before everyone's had enough and wants to wrap up for good being wiped out in that final fight would feel satisfying i think that's the the main point that i'm trying to get out there is that if there's a tpk it either needs to not matter Mm. or it needs to feel worth it yeah yeah meepo i know that uh you're looking forward to end game with your character would you consider Total party kill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. Uh, no. Um, as as um, I agree with uh, Snickle there. Um, I agree with myself. <laughs> fantastic. Um, that you know there is that sense of dread there, mm. but my end game it is not easy for you guys. I've deliberately made it that way. It's a god. 
and there are other things that he has with him, not just himself. And you are, you, you guys might end up being like level 19 or 20. It's not going to be easy. Mm. Um, so at the same time, like, I don't want to kill you guys, but in, I plan to. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that you, you <laughs> I think that sometimes you have to going into a big fight as a DM, you kind of need to go in it trying to kill your players mm. for it to feel challenging enough. Not with every single fight, you don't want them to die to, you know, just the random monster they found just out of town because that would feel stupid. The bandits at level 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't feel good to have that happen, mm. especially if it's a TPK. Um but to know you're going up against something formidable like we are in this campaign we're talking about, having that threat feel real adds to the the stress of dealing with this fight. It's not just, ah, whatever, yeah. end game, whatever, we'll just beat it. You know, mm. there's, there isn't that blasé-ness about, you know, hitting the BBEG in this yeah. game. Well, for me, um, I'm trying to make sure that I stay in his mindset. And if you look at everything you guys have done, um, you know, you've taken away his warlock. You've um, managed to divide the key. Mm. I don't know if you guys have realized that's what you did, but yeah. you have. You've split the key. Now it's two people, not one. Mm -hmm. um, and you are just pissing him off. Something I, fierce. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, it's something I'm looking forward to. And yes. um, like I said, if it if we are versing him, and funnily enough, because the next campaign is set in the future of where we are. If you fail, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, for the next campaign, it can still be the BBEG yeah. for that one as well. Yeah. So um, there's a lot at stake here. Yeah. Mm. So we're trying to ensure the future. But T Total Party Kills in campaigns like you said can be very satisfying at the end if it's heroic death and sometimes when you kill a player off you you kind of got to give them that little bit extra time even though they failed all their death saves or whatever um you know try and give them that time of saying goodbye to the other character it brings that emotions everyone's crying it's such a fantastic night you know things like that it really brings the whole thing to a conclusion. Don't get me wrong, like, if I killed you all, I would probably be in tears. I would be too, because I'm the only person on paper statues. <laughs> <laughs> I worked so hard on that, but I'll leave that. But, um, alright, so that's all we've got for today. Um, it was pretty good talking about bad guys and being the bad guy or creating mm. a bad guy. But um, if you've got any bad guy ideas, especially homebrewers, I love a good homebrew bad guy. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear about any of your favourite bad guys that you've run or are planning to run. Mm. So, yeah, let us know. Um, you can find us on both Twitter and Facebook. So yeah, send shoot, us a message. message or... Also, let us know if you're interested in seeing my homebrew Yellow King. I'd be happy to share it. We've, yeah, we've caught when glimpses. We've, and... When we've defeated it first, because <laughs> yeah. we want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's if we've you saw glimpses, him. but please yeah. don't spoil it for if us. We, if we destroy him, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, we are looking forward to it. Make sure you send us any information. You... Information. Information. Send us some information on our social medias and stuff. We'd love um, to hear from you. Yeah, one of us will most likely answer pretty quickly, um, but yeah, we it's definitely want to know a lot of... Yeah, Snickles are... Uh, um, social media guru, guru person <laughs> <laughs> not maybe not guru 
director. <laughs> but um, yeah, we want to hear from you guys and um, maybe throw some of your characters in our own campaigns or yes, even we share. Would love to do that. that share with everyone cool. else on the uh, interwebs. But, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can also find us on our social media with the links in the description. Until next time, stay scaly.